Hello, and welcome to the Third Floor Corridor Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Kyle, joined by... Stephanie! Our co-host who's had enough trouble for a lifetime. Yes. Might even say for enough trouble for a series of seven books. But (laughs) today we'll be talking about Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, chapters 35 and 36. Those are King's Cross and the Flaw in the Plan. We've... We're gonna do a bum-bum-ba... I felt it coming. Uh, I actually am a little bit when I when I was reading the flaw in the plan is one of the chapter titles that I don't. Yeah, I guess. I'm trying to think like what specific. I guess unless they're referring to like the whole Elder Wand changing hands plan. I. That's the best explanation I can think of, but. It's hard to say. It just also was one of the ones where, like, even if it's not, like, a chapter that's ever, like, oh, that wonderful chapter that was called this that I remember specifically by name in any of the other books. But, like, even re- upon rereads, most of the time I would be like, oh, yeah, I remember this one. Yeah, I remember this one. Yeah, I remember this. Like, there's, like, a familiarity, but a flaw in the plans just seems so just, I don't know, just like, out of... Yeah, for, like, the final chapter in the series, it's it's not... It's, it's an not very odd punchy. One. Yeah, it's not punchy. Yeah, like I don't know. You you could name it any any number of things. I, I think I even like King's Cross Station a lot better. Yeah, it's a confusing chapter though. So let's jump into that. Yeah. Because Harry wakes up. Well, that's the first thing he wakes up. Yes. He, he exists that's, in some form or fashion. That's uh, typically not what one expects when one dies. Yeah, he finds himself in like a, a blank space and he's like, oh, I guess I have a body and I'm naked. He's naked, which, which he's, I don't know if he's ever been naked. Oh, I guess he was technically He took naked, a bath that one he time. He took a bath, yeah. But he's, he's weirdly at peace. He's like, oh, cool, I'm just in a void. But then he hears something. And I, it turns out it's the, like, dying soul shard of Voldemort. I think, yes. Which, upon this realization that he's not alone, Harry's like, oh, I'm not a nudist. I need clothes. Yes. And what should appear but clothes. Yeah, like, which I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And not long after don't that. describe the clothes, except for that they were clean. They're clean and warm and robes. Yes. They're clean and warm and robes. But beyond that, I was like, are they white robes? Are they like typical? Well, that's, I, I also think like does does it? robes entail like a whole outfit? Like are they pants? I with it? think in or is the Harry wizarding, just wearing like a bathrobe? I think in the wizarding world, the way that they use the word like often they use the word robes often is like a full outfit. Yes, it can include like a part of the outfit, but is also like Indicative of Okay. I like to imagine that Harry was wearing overalls and a robe over that. That would be hilarious. That is an outfit right there. But once he's dressed and warm, he's like, huh, this is kind of weird. But who should show up but Elvis Dumbledore? Fucking Dumbledore. Which we get the final, you know, Dumbledore explaining stuff at the end of the book. Although I feel like his explanations are not... (sighs) As satisfying as they've been in the past? Some of them are better, in my opinion, than others. Um, But we we get this description of Dumbledore that he's, like, radiating joy. Harry's never seen him this happy. Which I took as, like, he's happy because his plan worked. All of his schemes fell into place. Everyone did exactly what he wanted and ordered them to do. 
And it worked. And I mean, I don't think that that's like pretty... I understand that. Whenever I have like a really complex plan with like multiple things and like events and people all involved and everything goes off without a hitch, I feel a great sense of joy. Yeah, but for normal people, usually that doesn't involve like mass manipulation and like death. And like the yeah. sacrificing of all of their free will. Mine's like a day out. Yeah, like you know, when you plan a day and it works out, you're like, oh, that was nice. This is Dumbledore's version of that. Which maybe you know, maybe I'll give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt because like it's it's very delayed gratification. Like he only probably got this feeling like two or three times in his life. One of the things that always that struck me almost immediately is like because Harry like basically is like qualifying with him is like oh am i dead and dumbledore's like eh, sort not of really. not completely but like a little bit and like they have this line where he's like oh like dumbledore didn't want to like seem discourteous to him by indicating that his suffering was less because he's not really dead and i was like it doesn't actually matter right now whether or not he's dead because the suffering part is the same either way well, it is very wizardy to be like your suffering doesn't matter. Yeah. Because it's temporary. Yeah, wizards are all. Yeah, I feel like Dumbledore tries to do lip service to like, oh, I don't want to diminish your suffering, but let me ignore it. Yeah, I'm like, no, no, no. Because if either way, both times, if he was dead or not, he would have experienced everything that led up to this moment. If he was dead, that would just be it. And... The fact that he is alive. Yeah, like the end result doesn't change everything leading up to it. Yeah. But Harry's first basic question is like, how am I not dead? Yeah. And that's honestly a question that I would be asking and have been for many years since I first read this book. I thought it was a little weak, but this part, this one part, this only part, is the only part that made even a little bit of sense to me. Where it's like, Harry survived because Voldemort took his blood into him. Yeah, so because I guess Lily's protection was part of that, Voldemort sort of acted like a horcrux for Harry. Because part of Harry was still in Voldemort, so he couldn't fully die because he had that tethering him to life. Am that, I am I understanding that right? I think so. At least that, that's that's how it's presented. It's I feel it's not very super like logic. Like again, because there's never any. We never are given like mechanics of magic, yeah, which of, makes of, this harder. Especially of how the sacrifice protection magic works, yeah. because like I I I'm still unclear on how that's related to the. They can't find you at Privet Drive as long as that's your home. Like, I don't know if that's the same enchantment. I think it has to be. Because that wore off its set when Harry turned 17. Yeah. I think that this might have something to do with just the whole blood thing. But it's it's very unclear. And the only reason that that makes a little more sense to me is because in book four, when Harry is recounting his trauma... Because oh, yeah, and Dumbledore has that triumphant moment of, like, yes. Yes, this is going to be great. Um, <laughs> not that he wants to diminish Harry's suffering. Not that he wants to diminish Harry's suffering, but he's like, oh, this is going to be so cool. Or this oh, has the potential to be I'm so happy so this happened. Cool. I can't wait. But I, I'm still unclear because that it's, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Because we've talked about how apparently people don't sacrifice themselves 
for each other. I have to assume it happens, but this implies that like it's it's more powerful even beyond that because like we see Harry. A part of this is Harry sacrificed himself to protect everyone at Hogwarts. Yeah, I kind of put them in two different sections because one of them makes, like, Harry living and surviving this makes more sense to me. But Harry having sacrificed himself and thereby protecting everybody else makes actively no sense to me. Yeah, which if that's a thing you could do, I would think that you would have done that. By now. Then literally anybody who's ever stood up to Voldemort because, like, frankly, it, it's well, it, pretty dumb. That, it's pretty that, suicidal. Yeah, that concept also gets really murky because we see, like, that, yes, there's the power of, like, the sacrifice magic. But we also see, like, people actively fighting to protect their loved ones. So there's a lot of, like, wanting to have your cake and eat it, too, as far as that goes. Yeah, I think that that's, like, a even, like, an extra part where it's, like, the messaging that is implicit in the actual narrative. Like, so she has these things play out, and what does that say about what she's trying to say? So it's, like, is it better to, like, lay down and just be, like, no, I will die, kill me Instead yeah, is of it, these is people. it better to die passively or like, like as a purely sacrificial lamb or as defense? It's just unclear, but it, I also don't know it's because a little like funny. I I've always subscribed to like I think there's more than one mechanism that kept Harry alive. Like I think part of it is like he died selflessly, so the killing curse didn't get him, but the Voldemort part. But also, he was the master of the Hallows, so I don't know how that factors in, because supposedly that makes you master of death. But also, yeah. the wand owed its loyalty to Harry, so maybe it didn't kill him. It's possible that it was a combination or any one of those things, but because we don't understand the basic mechanisms behind really any of them, there's really no way to tell. It's kind yeah. of like a weird thing where, I don't know if it kind of bothered you, but, like, the idea, you know how Dumbledore later on, he, like, theorizes that, like, maybe death, like, the part about death giving the Hallows to the brothers was, like, that one. Was an legend. embellishment, yeah. Um, but they were just, like, really clever and they made them. Yeah. I think he describes them as very talented and dangerous wizards. Yes. So, like, kind of one of the things that struck me was just, like, this idea that you could have, like, like this created, like, the Resurrection Stone, right? That you could then do something incredibly power, like to, to change its nature by like making it a horcrux, and then it doesn't alter the original. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it seems odd that if it was a it created we, magical artifact, that doing something else to it wouldn't well, alter it's, it. Or it's mess another. It up. It's another school of like thought where we don't really know. Yeah, we like, don't. We don't know if the nature of a magical item is like immutable from when you make it or if it like changes or wears off over time sometimes we see that it does but then other times no yeah it's it's like common like the the uh, your average invisibility cloak will wear off over time yeah and then there was like kind of a weird like line where dumbledore kind of implied that like the invisibility cloak wouldn't work as well for people who were not who didn't like rightly or no, who weren't like it. descended from the 
the brother. Yeah, like anyone it wasn't handed down to. He's like, it, it. there's an implication that not just the Elder One, but any of the Hallows will not work properly if you don't claim them in the right fashion. It's it's really weird. Yeah, but it's not like an outright, again, but it's not an outright claim, so it's really hard to engage with. Yeah, but I think the next thing that gets tackled is, like, what's up with the whole wand thing? And that was the weakest, like, yeah. theory. Well, like, Harry's specifically like, well, how come my wand blew up Lucius Malfoy's wand? Yeah. And we get another explanation that I don't really think makes that much sense. That not only was there a connection between Harry and Voldemort, but because their wands shared a twin core and wands are semi-sentient, they recognized each other and when the Priori Incantatum thing happened at the little Hangleton graveyard yes. it, and Harry won the beam struggle... He absorbed some of Voldemort's power. Not the wand, yeah. Voldemort himself, which is like, okay. Which, I'm like, we have no precedent for wands being able to, like, store or absorb power. As far as I know, they just let you, like, channel magic. Yeah, the idea of it, and then, like, that's the other thing. Like, the idea of, like, okay, it absorbed, like, a part of Voldemort, but, like, does that... Is that like implicit, well, like a soul? It goes, like it a goes back to what we said, like, where we have no real, like, concrete understanding of what magical power is. Yes. So, and it's really specific, too, because Harry's like, well, how come my wand broke? It snapped in half. And he's like, it, Dumbledore explains, it's only against Voldemort that it's special. Otherwise, it's just a wand. Yeah. I'm sure a perfectly good wand... Why not? But, you know, just a wand. Yeah, and I was like, okay, that was the only part of the wand conversation that I was like, all right, yeah, fair. It's only, like, particularly adept at dealing with the one, that one thing. Yeah, although even though the mechanics of how that works are... Yes, questionable. Anyone's guess. But I think it's around now that Dumbledore says, like, well, Harry, where do you think we are? And Harry looks around, and I guess it's, like, forming as he's looking at it. He's like, ah, it kind of looks like King's Cross, but, you know, like, clean and empty. <laughs> I can't imagine a train station being both of those things. Uh, yeah, I know. And then Dumbledore starts laughing at him. Yeah. I, which I don't really get. Like, it just feels like a dick move, which Harry kind of interprets it as. Well, I don't know. We, we talked about this briefly. It's really confusing. So I was saying that Dumbledore and Snape are kind of perfect for each other because what ends up following this conversation is like Dumbledore just basically ends up ex- like excusing and explaining away all of like kind of the bad shit that he's done to Harry and he's yeah, done and like, in the past. There's like a running theme of Harry can't like bring himself to be mad at Dumbledore. Yes. Even though he he kind of acknowledges that he has every right to be. Yes. And so the thing that kind of gets me is like, I was like, oh, Snape and Dumbledore are perfectly... Because if this is real, then Dumbledore is wasting all of this time, like really making a lot of this about him. And if it's not real, then it's Harry basically like wanting to forgive Dumbledore in his like weird near-death experience state. Which I think also has a lot of credibility because I think at this point, Harry can't, like, mentally, like... 
well, it's, wrap it's, his head around it. It's a weird, like, catch-22 where I think both ideas are very likely, but I don't really like either of them. I don't like either of them <laughs> either. Um, but I, yeah, if it's real, then Dumbledore is a, Dumbledore is a dick that we've always known him to be. If it's not real and it is all in Harry's head and this is like a weird Albus Dumbledore right here is like the weird super ego of Harry. Like then it's just speaks to how damaged Harry is by Dumbledore's manipulations. Yeah. Harry ends the series as like a shell of a person. Yeah. It's, it's but, actually very sad. But we get kind of a recap of like what happened with the Hallows and Grindelwald. We're basically like, you know, he acknowledges like, oh yeah, I was really shitty. I tried making, you know, take over the world plans with my with my boyfriend. And we were like fascinated by the Hallows. Although he explains that like the wand held the most allure because, you know, if you're trying to yeah. take over the world, it helps to be unbeatable. The stone, Dumbledore wanted because he was like, oh, I can bring my family back and, you know, have my parents look after my, my siblings. And Grindelwald wanted it to raise an army of Inferi, which, again, I'm like, they say in the story that it doesn't really do much. It just yeah. kind of makes you sad. I was very confused by that. I was like, are they trying... Is this like... Is him being like, oh, I wanted it to make an army of Inferi. Like, does that... Is that him... Or both of them in this case? Not really understanding what it does. Like, they're just yeah, like theorizing. Just, just, yeah, maybe like speculating what they could make it do. Because yeah. from the story... That doesn't, that's not going to work. It's like, yeah, it brings people back. Not really, though. Yeah. Like, and they're pale imitations. Yeah, and they're not... In fear, like they're, that's they're not, yeah, they're, I, I don't think they're physical. Yeah, no, there's certainly no indication whatsoever that they are in any way. And they, you know, they, they wanted to get the cloak just to complete the set, although they, they sort of like, there's this running theme of like the really powerful people sort of overlook the cloak or dumb people. Yeah, and I don't think that, and I mean, I think that that's one of the areas where I think that it's like a little bit better because when jk rowling leans a little bit more on like the fairy tale or like fable elements of like where it's like you're not coloring in too much you're just like putting like frameworks in there it makes more sense yeah and it, it sort of ties into the theme that like i guess the idea of the tale of the three brothers is that you would want the cloak sort of ties into that idea of like not fighting is is the way to win sort of idea. Yeah, but then, like, I also wonder if she, like, is the message she's making overall about death as a whole, which is, like, you shouldn't fight against death, but... <laughs> yeah, like, you shouldn't fear death at the cost of... Living? Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of unclear. It's a little unclear, and I think that that's fine to an extent but you have to be consistent and you have to like maintain that level of like keeping things at a distance otherwise if you try to like fill in too much it mess it muddies the waters well yeah i think what sort of irks me a little is that this is the second to last chapter like actual chapter yes and i wish things were more concrete by this point but you know, I, I, I'm not saying everything has to be, 
you know, some interpretation I appreciate. But some, no, it, I, I, I think I, it's applied wrong. Yeah, I feel like I leave this chapter being like, well, I didn't learn much. Yeah, it's just like, I think that we might have an okay, possibly potential for a basis. And that's the other thing that kind of plays into, like, your idea that, like, this is all in Harry's head. You know how they say that, like, as a writer, you can only make a character who's as smart as you because you made them. Mm -hmm. It's, like, the same thing where it's, like, Harry can only come up with, like, a theory that's as good as what he understands or knows. Well, that's sort of what I mean is I just, I don't really come away from anything we learn here and feel like, oh, huh, that either A, answers all my questions, or B, feels like a satisfying result. But it, it's not, like, terrible, though. It's it's somewhere right in the middle. It's not terrible. Two things, other things that irk me is one, at one point he's just like, oh, I really relied on Miss um, Granger to slow you up. And, like, he, like as a positive, like, because she, she, of course, she would put you in the right direction because Hermione's perfect. And he also says that, uh, poor Severus. I was like, fuck you. Fuck, fuck Severus Snape, no. <laughs> yeah, like, Severus is a piece of shit. He got what he deserved, and it just uh, took longer than I would have liked. But he he runs through, like, yeah, we were planning to take the world over, but then Aberforth was like, cut the shit, you have a, a yeah, sister to look after. Yeah. Which, that's the one thing I actually like, that Dumbledore acknowledges that, like, Aberforth is a way better person than him. Yes. Which, like, I'm like, well... And yeah. they, they had their sort of little, like, battle. Uh, Ariana died, and Grindelwald ran away. And Dumbledore, again, establishes, not really sure who actually killed her. Uh, the There's actually, like, I think a really damning, like, thing for Dumbledore, where we find out the reason he didn't confront Grindelwald sooner was he was worried that Grindelwald knew who actually killed Ariana, which from, like, a character perspective is kind of compelling, but it's... It is. I did find it compelling from a character perspective. But it, it's it's also really bad because it's another example of Dumbledore passively just letting people die when he has the ability to stop it. Yes, and it just it it just shows that he never. And again, it would be different if his behaviors in the current day were different, but they're not. So it just shows that like. That would be much more compelling as, like, a backstory, mm. and I agree with you, but, like, the fact that it's actually now shown and proven that, like, actually he never changes, like... Yeah, like, if that was... It it would be much more compelling if, sort of, like you're saying, where af once he decided to confront Grindelwald, that sort of, like, brought about a change in him where he realized you need to be more active stopping threats. Yes. But then I feel like it the way it's written, it was just a warm-up. Yeah, it was just like, uh -huh. Except instead of actually stopping but Voldemort, he just he sat there. He says, like, a weird thing. He says, like, this weird, like, little, uh, like, there's this little line, but I think that that actually fixes it. Not in a good way, mind you. Mm -hmm. But, like, he's like, the shame was, was, like, growing too great to not do anything. So, basically, it almost seems as if, like, the public perception and understanding of like Dumbledore could be doing something but he's not doing anything was so like it was getting like we, we talk about a lot about how like Dumbledore really only cares about how he looks and that applies here 
Yeah, like his his image was getting uh, too low for him to be able to function. Yeah, so I'm just like kind of sitting here like, hmm. Yeah, and he's like, well, I finally did it. I went and stopped him and then, you know, went back. I was like, I don't trust myself with power. So I, I decided to go be at Hogwarts. And uh, well, we get two bits here that I think are kind of laughable because Harry's like, and Dumbledore's like, oh, I... I Tried to be, like, a good teacher. And Harry's like, you were the best teacher. I was like, oh, bullshit. That's a lot. Terrible that's teacher. That's a lie. <laughs> we, we saw him do uh, one book's worth of teaching, and he was bad at it. Yes. And the other thing is, again, we've we've talked about it, the idea that Dumbledore is like, I, I separated myself from power, although I had, like, I basically had an army under my control. Yeah, he was just like, he basically separated... <laughs> You know, he's kind of like a communist, he's like a communist, like, leader, where it's like, where you have to overthrow, like, the powerful. I'm not powerful, secretly has all well, he's, of he's the also, power. He's sort of like a dark reflection of Slughorn, I feel like, where he's like, yeah, a little he, bit. he doesn't want to hold the reins of power, but he wants to basically be influential or in control of everyone who does. Yes, so he's like very much sitting there and going, I'm not powerful. I, power I am, is no good. I am but a humble school teacher. Yes. Who who has an army of spies and is like a direct advisor to the, the to head of the government. Of exactly. And I also run like the Supreme Court. Exactly. And it's, it's just like, okay. It's sure. like, do you trust yourself with power or not? Yeah, no. So that's why it actually comes across as, like, kind of sinister and not at all, like, you can't really buy into it because it's just like, yeah, um, you might be saying all of that, but it doesn't play out. Yeah, which is just frustrating because Harry basically at the end of this is like, I absolve you of all bad feelings, Dumbledore. We are good. Yes. You are my good friend. We we have such a healthy relationship. Yep, it's not at all weird or creepy. They and, and end I, the chapter with the only good thing that uh. Yeah, we we do get a couple good lines. Um, what what was it? Uh, don't pity the dead, pity the living, and those who never lived without love. Which is an okay line, although I think it's better divorced from the series. Yeah, it's better when you if you divorce it from the that's, context. That's one thing, even to the end, I'll agree with Voldemort about. Love as it represented in the series is... Uh, it's very odd. It's very murky. Um, uh, and Harry's basically like, so what now? Like, can I... Do, do I go back to being alive? And Dumbledore's like, if you want, you could just die if you really want. But, like, that was the only thing that... Okay, so that was the only part where I was like, yeah, Dumbledore, that's a good point. Perfectly logical because he was like, well, at this point, you've already died once. So you could go back and you could prevent, like, people from... Other people from dying. I think he says, yeah, and he says that, like, I think that you have pretty good chances of beating Voldemort for good. Yeah, he's like, you have a pretty good chance. At this point, though, you have less to lose because at this point, you, you've you already died. Like, by going back, you get a chance at living again. If you just go on, then it's like, whatever. Like, so it's only like a net positive if you go back. Yeah. 
Unless you die again. But. And then, but then you just right back here. Yeah, so. I, guess, I suppose that's true. But And Harry's like, oh, was this all in my head or was it real? And Dumbledore's like, don't fucking worry about it. It doesn't matter. This is your delirious brain, Harry. Go back to being alive, you, you sweet summer child. And then he does! And then he does! <laughs> he wakes up back in the clearing and... Harry has a moment where he's like, oh, I expected people to cheer, but apparently Voldemort also passed out when he killed Harry. Yeah. Briefly. It seems like uh, not much time has passed. No, yeah. They they don't really indicate... I assume it has to be really fast. Yeah. Like, not even a minute. Maybe not even 30 seconds. I don't yeah. know. Because, like... Weirdly, I mean, I guess I get it from Bellatrix because she's like a weird simp. But they're like, "Oh, Voldemort, let us help you." It's like, come on, you guys know Voldemort. He could be like one hanging off a cliff with one finger on it, and he'd be like, "Fuck you, let me fall. Don't help me. I don't need your help." <laughs> Literally, never wants anyone's help. But, well, actually, I thought that, that was like particularly odd, um, because. It almost felt like a weird out-of-character moment of weakness for me, or I perceived it that way, that Voldemort has somebody, we know it's Narcissa, he sends Narcissa to check. Yeah, because, like, Harry gets a feeling he's, like, Voldemort's, like, intimidated. Like, something, he knows, Voldemort on some level knows, like, that wasn't supposed to happen. Yes. So he's like, like, I'm gonna send Narcissa Malfoy to check if Harry's alive. Which, of course, he is, and she covertly is like, hey, is Draco still alive? And Harry's like, eh, as far as I know, I guess. Yeah. And, th- again, this is the the weird Malfoy bullshit where I'm like, Harry, like, realizes she's doing this because her only odds of getting to Draco is if they go as, like, the winning side. Which I'm like, this doesn't make them good. Yeah, no, it doesn't make them good. It doesn't make them good even a little bit. I think that the idea later is that, like, because they don't actively participate in fighting for Voldemort's side in this second, like, battle part that happens, that makes them good somehow, and it doesn't. Yeah, because we don't see either of the Malfoy parents fighting the first time around. We don't, well, we don't see Narcissa, and Lucius we only see talking to Voldemort. So it's unclear if they did. But we know Malfoy actively tried to get Harry in yeah. the first round. A hundred percent. And then tried to go back to the side of the Death Eaters. Uh-huh. So, so it's, it's just, it's so, it pisses me off how, like, we're supposed to, I guess, look sympathetically upon them because they're continuing to suffer the consequences of their own decisions yeah and it's like oh well we should feel bad for narcissa because she cares about her son and it's like okay that's great a lot of people care about their children does that mean that she shouldn't go to jail for all of the really bad things that she did and that her child did and that lucius malfoy did Uh, apparently yeah we'll we'll get to that because there's a moment at the end but at this point, she's like, Harry Potter is dead. You got him, Voldemort. It, it just was an odd choice for me that, like, I, I don't know. I could picture Voldemort, like, being like, I don't want people to think that I don't think that I killed Harry. Like, you know, like, the idea that, like, outwardly he might not want to show that 
he doubts that he actually killed him. So, like, having somebody check in front of everybody else almost seems like him showing self-doubt, which is something I don't feel like he would do, but... Yeah, it's it's definitely a weird moment for him. I was like, what's happening here? But he's like, uh, I don't want to go check, because what if Harry Potter's alive, but he gets up and punches me? Yeah, I don't know what's a worse... If you're going to check in front of everybody, I don't know what's worse if it's like me checking myself or sending well i I think that the whole idea of that like you hit him with a killing curse the idea of checking that it worked as far as i know isn't standard voldemort practice no it's not and to my mind i i I just the way i I think regardless of how you would do it if i'm a death eater i'd be like double checking that's like turning a light switch off and checking if the lights are off yeah, it's it just seemed weird to me and like out of character. Not I I could see him feeling the self doubt, but I can't yeah, just like showing just, it. Just like standing there on the cliff with the finger, just like to hell if he's gonna actually show that yeah. he's like not sure. But at this point, he's like, ah, time to play with my food. Yes, and I'm confused how this works because he starts casting Crucio on Harry's body, which makes him fly around. It's, it's that inconsistent thing of like, okay, the Cruciatus Curse causes pain in the target, which Harry, it doesn't do anything to Harry. Yeah. I guess Harry is also protected from Voldemort because he died for him? Or is this the Elder Wand again? I think maybe it's that's, that's I just wanted to <laughs> establish that we really don't know fully. Yes, there's I'm, no... I'm, I'm more confused by the fact that, like, I've always felt like the effects of spells are, like, kind of inconsistent. Mm. Where, like, sometimes you fire a spell and it misses, it bounces off the wall. Sometimes it hits the wall and explodes. I don't see why a spell to cause pain would make a body fly around. I f- almost feel as if... Unless, like, this spells a... just have, like, an inherent force to them. It's po- I think that's possible, because we did talk about, I think, on another episode, God, probably ages ago, we talked about how, like, oh, there might be, like, inherent, like, force or something behind magic, so that might make sense. Mm. The other thing is, I a little bit wonder if, like, J.K. Rowling, in writing it, is, like, thinking about what she knows about the Cruciatus Curse and, like... A lot of the time what ends up happening is like the people end up flailing around. But I don't think it's that they're being moved by the magic. They're being like they're flailing because they're in agony. (laughs) So I don't think it's the same. Now I'm thinking about it. When Harry used it on one of the caros, they floated up into the air. So maybe it's got like a, a levitation aspect to it. I don't know. It's it's a little weird. It's it's overshadowed by maybe the most shocking part in the entire book, where as Harry's body is flailing around, his glasses fall off. Ah! I think that happens like twice in the whole series. Yeah, I think that you're right. I don't even know for sure if it actually ends up happening in um, the graveyard scene. I don't think it happens there. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because, yeah, Harry Harry does a lot of action movie shit, and those glasses stay firmly on. Yeah, it's like, uh, I wouldn't have been shocked if they revealed at that stage, at the end of the book, that he had placed a permanent sticking charm oh, on his Oh, and since he glasses. died, it wore off? <laughs> I could see that. But 
at this point, Voldemort's like, all right, time to go uh, do my whole victory thing. Uh, someone pick up... Uh, Hagrid, you, pick up Harry Potter's body. Someone put his glasses on. I, yeah, I, want, I want him recognizable. Which I'm like, okay, that ties that up neatly. And so they're, they're walking out back toward Hogwarts in their, their big victory procession. Along the way, they encounter the centaurs who Hagrid's like, see what you did? You, you didn't help in the fight, and now Harry Potter's dead. It's like, uh... Eh. Which apparently moves them to help in the second fight when um, I'm like, Mm-mm, no. That, or as they're walking away, the Death Eaters are, like, throwing insults at them. Oh, I can and see, they're I can see that helping more because they're very proud. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, maybe. I, I like to think it. that, too, because I'm like... like the Death Eaters threw fighting words at them. Yeah, like, I think they had a powwow. It's like, we're not really going to listen to Hagrid, are we? It's like, no. They called us nincompoops. We're going to fucking kill them. <laughs> so they, of course, get back to Hogwarts. Voldemort does his big, loud shout spell, where, of course, he has to uh, drag Harry through the muck. He's like, I killed Harry Potter. He, he was trying to flee, and I found him. He, I, I thought about this. I'm like, if I'm on the other side, I'm like... Harry fled into the forest to get away from you? That's, mm-hmm. You gotta work on your lies, Voldemort. That's a thing. Voldemort was never the same after he passed out for that 30 seconds. If Harry didn't kill him here, Voldemort still would have lost. It shook his confidence to the core. Yeah, he was like, oh, I didn't even come up with a good, like, a good lie here. Yeah. And everyone comes out and they're really sad because, you know, Harry's dead. Though it has a brief moment where Professor McGonagall's the one who's like, yeah, who's she's like the first one who's like, no. And Harry's like, oh, geez, this is, this is rough having like, to oh, no. hear everyone's like bereavement at my death. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, no, Professor McGonagall. Poor Professor McGonagall. She doesn't get a freaking kid named after her. <laughs> no. Uh, the, the, the name doling out is very unequal. But we'll talk about that another time. We kind of get this thing where Voldemort's, I have won. If you surrender, you know me. I'm, I'm a chill dude. I'll let bygones be bygones. You can just join my, my regime. And there's this thing where like he keeps silencing them because they're like shouting back and it keeps wearing off, which is like the hint that I guess Harry's protection makes them less like vulnerable to his spells they say like briefly the only thing they really say is like it's not it's not like the binding isn't yeah which is a little weird but yeah and at this point he's like all right so uh who who's who's gonna be the first to like Oh yeah, because he to, he gives to bow them, down to Voldemort yeah. and, and beg my forgiveness. He gives them two choices. He's like, you can either join my regime, or I will not only kill you, but I'm going to kill every single person in your family. Yeah, and uh, Neville runs up and he's like, I'm going to get you, Voldemort. And Voldemort stops him and he's like, Oh, Neville, let's guess cute to you. Join me. I know that we tortured your parents into insanity, and you know you. You hate all of us more than anything, but you should join us. Yeah, we could be we could be so cool. To, we could be best friends. And Neville's like, nah, uh, I'm I'm in Dumbledore's army. I'm like, oh, stop talking about Dumbledore. Yeah, you guys fucking suck. But at this point, Voldemort's like, all right, so new plan. Uh, a, let me get the Sorting Hat. We don't need this thing anymore. We're not doing any more houses. It's only Slytherin. Which, like, I'm a little surprised about because I think that in his in his brain, in the again, he's a little adult hmm. because I think that 
Oh, well, I guess he could just not allow people he doesn't like to come to Hogwarts at all, period, end of story. He could, like, exclude them from the school in general. Yeah. So I guess that would work. But, yeah, I'm like, like no making way. everyone a Slytherin wouldn't make them all, like, have Slytherin ideology. Yeah. Like, I think they're as bad as they are, because Slytherin's, like, a weird echo chamber. Whereas, like, if you put everyone in, you would dilute how shitty they are. Yeah. But... At this point, he has Neville paralyzed, he puts the sorting hat on his head, and he lights it on fire, and he's like, ha ha ha, this is my evil plan, which I'm like, does the sorting hat actually burn up? I don't think so. I'm unclear. But the, at, I think at this point they say a handful of things happen at once. The yes. The crowds break out of Voldemort's silencing thing again. Yes. The centaurs show up and start shooting arrows at all the, the Death Eaters. Neville breaks out of the body bind, pulls the hat off, pulls the sword of Gryffindor out of it, and kills Nagini. Yes. Which I'm like, god damn, Neville, you went from having your head on fire to, like, sword fighting in the span of zero seconds. What a talent our boy has become. Yeah, I was like, that was pretty cool. And so at this point, they're like, oh shit. And Grop also shows up. Oh yeah, Grop shows up along with, like... The extended family of, like, all of the good guys, like, Charlie Weasley's there, and, like, everyone, like, the, the whole cavalry is here. Like Yeah, they I think they say that Threshtles show up and Buckbeak. Yeah, like, because Voldemort has two giants with him, and I'm, it's like, oh, Grop can't take probably one giant, let alone two, but they're like, nope, all of the hippogriffs and Hagrid's beasts show up and just start clawing their eyes out. And I'm like, where the fuck was this show of force? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> earlier. That's what's weird, because, like, Harry is trying to, like, he goes under the invisibility cloak, and he's, like, trying to protect people, which I'm like, do you need to do that? I don't know. And it's also weird, because I feel like this isn't, like, uh, it's like, a, the good guys win, but it's mainly just through numbers. Yes, but it's confusing because it's like, you could have pulled these numbers before, then why didn't you? Yeah, it's it's almost as though that's the only thing stopping you from beating the bad guys. Yeah, and it's, it, it just seems odd. That seems odd to me. I think that probably it makes a lot more sense that, like, if they had, you know, run the battle, like, the initial battle, the way that, like proper battles in castles should be done, which is, like, protecting their perimeter and, yeah, like, like, close attacking. and bar all the doors. Yeah, like, attacking from, like, the towers and, like, like the actual, like... Yeah, like, having fallbacks as, pe- as if they break into the castle so you can have, like, multiple defensive points. Yeah, like, that would make much more sense. It also bothers me. This is not the only time in the book that it happens, but this, to me, like, seemed, like, the weirdest was that the invisibility cloak just always fits, like, perfectly in Harry's pocket. He's got it, like, in his shirt. I don't... I've never understood, like... They talk about it as though it's just, like, a big handkerchief. Yes! Where it can cover, like, three pretty much fully grown adults. You can see their feet a little. Yeah, like, they have to, like, duck and kind of, like, crouch a little bit to get there. But they can still all fit... And it's just like, okay. Yeah, it's basically like you're carrying a tablecloth around with you. Yeah, and like, no matter how well you are, no matter how good you are at folding, I promise, 
Yeah, you're, you're still carrying something at least the size of a, a good-sized book. Yeah, and it's just like, you're just like, what, what pocket is this fitting into? And then not only is it fitting into, but that you can, like, take it and then, like, just kind of, like... Like, yeah, like uh, like undo yeah, it's, it. To... It's a it's a hell of a maneuver. It's like does did Harry practice doing this in oh, the same way that Steph, magicians? It's because do the... he's the true master of the cloak. He can do all this. Oh, is it like when magicians do the thing where they they set a table and they like take they, the they, they rip it off they, without yeah, they rip taking the... anything else off? Yeah, is yeah, it like a, that? He's a clothing wizard. It's like a secret, um, secret form of magic. You know how like uh, Dumbledore's always going about love. He's a furniture wizard. Dumbledore's a furniture wizard. Harry's a clothes wizard. Harry's a clothes. He shrank wizard. that. He shrank that sweater when was, he was a child. It was when we, it was that it was then that we first should have known. And actually, wait a minute. It wasn't that he levitated up on the thing. It's that he his, levitated his clothes. Yeah, his clothes or or like his clothes like briefly gained like, you know, like almost like a like a flying squirrel like the wings. <laughs> Glasses don't fall off cuz they're they're technically like a clothing adjacent, so he has good control over them. I like this. Harry Potter clothing Clothing wizard. wizard. (laughs) But it's going down. I think they say like everyone gets kind of driven into the school by the charging centaurs. Because they don't say it explicitly, but I assume that's true. Which is that this is true of magic too. So don't get me wrong. If you have a bunch of like people, like centaurs at this point are like all shooting like arrows and like Mm. hacking things. They're just hacking them in that direction. (laughs) So, like, probably it would theoretically hit some good guys. Uh, so maybe they're like... Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, well, I was going to go darker. That'd be like, this isn't them being like, Hagrid was right. Let's go, uh, you know, kill the Death Eaters. This is them being like, we're so fed up with fucking wizards. Get them all. Let's get all of them. <laughs> and when the tide turns, they're like, yeah, we were definitely helping you guys. Yeah, we were just getting the death eaters yeah because they they break into the the entrance hall yes and the the creature pops out he kicks the door to the kitchens open and it's like fight for my master regulus attack with your knives and And they just start hacking at the shins of death eaters there's like yeah there's like a hundred house elves all with like cleavers and knives like yeah we get lines of like Death Eaters going down like with from like arrow and knife wounds. And I'm like, you guys have magic, you know? Like house elves have incredibly powerful magic. Yeah. Why not do magic with one hand, knife with one hand? Cha-cha-cha. Yeah, that would probably be really excellent. Uh, but again, we are left with the thing where it's like the house elves have always been here. Why didn't they help earlier? It also kind of uh, makes Ron's whole, like, let's go make sure the house elves are safe thing. And, like, I guess they didn't. I guess they didn't. Or maybe they did, and then, like, before oh. they didn't want to help, but then they were like, it was like a it was like a grip hook thing, where it's like, I've never seen anybody bury a house elf. Where it's like, I've never seen anybody ask us to go be safe. So I'm going to fight for you now. I was going to say, like, if, if they didn't actually check on them... It kind of reflects on Hermione, where she, like, doesn't actually want to help the house elves. She just likes the idea of it. Yeah, no, I think that Hermione thinks that it's like, oh, well, I'm virtuous because I'm the only one who cares about the house elves. But, like, I don't want to actually have to do effort. 
pretty much. But at this point, the fighting is is driven back into the Great Hall, where Voldemort is fighting three people, and so is Bellatrix. Kingsley, McGonagall, and... Flitwick are fighting Voldemort. And uh, Ginny, Luna... And Hermione. And Hermione are fighting Bellatrix. And Harry's trying to help, but usually when duels are going on, there's a lot of movement. Uh, we, we get to hear about, like, a lot of Death Eaters are getting, like, put out of commission in kind of, like, an unclear fashion of how alive they are. It's, uh... Did, did all those Death Eaters just die? Very unclear. <laughs> they just sort of, like, fall down, and we don't see them again. We learn McNair's first name. Wal- you said Walden, right? <laughs> it's Walden McNair. Like, Harry sees... I think Hagrid picks him up and, like, throws him across the room. And I'm like... Why in the moment of maybe his death did we refer to him by, like, full name? It's just a weird detail. But Harry's trying to help. He sees, like, oh, it's a little weird because I feel like he sees the three girls dueling Bellatrix. And I read it as, like, I don't know if he's supposed to be, like, oh, let me go help them. Or if he's just, like, trying to help Ginny. I think he's just incensed to help Ginny because, like, Ginny only narrowly gets not hit yeah. by a killing curse. Yeah. But then we, we get the appearance of, of Molly, who's like, no, not my daughter, you bitch. And she starts fighting Bellatrix, who Bellatrix knows, like, apparently a lot about the Weasley family. A lot about the Weasley family and a lot about all of the people who have died thus far. I'm like, who told you Fred died? Yeah, I, I, she has no way of knowing that. Yeah. I thought it was weird because she's like, well, well Fred died, now you're going to die. I particularly found it odd because it was a twin that died. If it had been another one... Well, that's Fred died in the castle through no direct action of any Death Eaters. Yeah, no. I thought it was very weird because like they show that Molly sometimes gets them mixed up. Like you're telling me that a that that the Death Eater Intel was so good that they were like, yeah, Fred Weasley, not are you sure you're not George? No, no, definitely Fred. How many ears did he have? Like, are you kidding me? No, get yeah, out of yeah. here. Like it's such a weird line, but Molly does manage to kill Bellatrix. Hits her with a spell. There's like a reflection of like when Sirius dies where like... I did not like that. Yeah, I thought it was very weird. Like it's implied that like it's this weird hubris, which again reflects poorly on Sirius. I'm like, J.K. Rowling, if we ever meet, we're going to have Can some words Can you stop getting this. digs in on characters who are A, good people and B, dead? Yeah, it's like, what's, like, why are you being like this? I just find the whole Molly thing weird, because it's like, it's, it's, I think it's supposed to be like a very, like, uplifting, like, yeah, we're getting them. But it, it's weird, too, because, well, A, we haven't really seen Molly have, like, much in the way of combat. This is the first time we see her fight, as far as I know. Yeah. And she takes on Bellatrix one-on-one, who's, like, very capable. Yeah. It, so it bugs me for a couple of reasons. One, you could argue that maybe Bellatrix was not performing at the best standards because of uh, like the whatever weird yeah, nonsense it's been a long is day. happening. She's got face wounds. Oh, she does have face wounds. But my issue is I don't find it to be bad. I I would find this to be again much more like uplifting, like good thing if it's like oh yeah, this this is a woman protecting her child. Great. Awesome. However, 
that kind of flies in the face of every other time you're like, look at this wonderful mother who did not do that. Yeah, it, it again <laughs> makes the whole message murky because here we get what seems like a glowing endorsement of like, fight actively to protect the people you love. Yes. But the book has, the series has been going on for a long time saying that it is more valuable to passively protect the people you love. Yes. And the other thing that I didn't like about it that like took away from it a little bit was this idea that like, I thought it was more powerful for her to like, to like, she tries to protect Jenny. If she had jumped in and was like, no, you're not going to fucking kill my kid. And like tried to like beat her off. And she did. Right. Got her. Um, but like at one point, she like other people try to help and like Molly's yeah, like, no. like it, it could have been yeah she's like no she's mine I'm like no it'd be a more powerful moment if like everyone got to sort of work together and yes. maybe Neville gets the killing blow yeah like I wouldn't I don't care who gets to actually kill her but like but yeah it takes away from that this was a yeah, moment of pure up, I'm up, protecting my kid. Yeah, up till now there's like this thing of like everyone's working together, but then for the final two opponents, no, no one works together. Yeah. Only one on one. Yeah. It's like guys, come on. Again, it's like good guys. Do you want to lose? Do you want more people to die than like need to? Cuz that's how you do that. Yeah, I just think that in this last chapter particularly J.K. Rowling had, like, a couple of competing ideas for how she wanted it to go, and she couldn't decide. And so she decided to do it all. Like, because this, like, gets very, um, you almost see, like, a lot of influence from, like, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe here. You get a lot of influence from, like, you can see a lot of different narratives, like, other, like, things shape it. You can almost see, like, a lot of, like, biblical type of stuff happening. You're like, okay... But I think that she tried to do it all, and because she tried to do it all, none of it worked. Yeah, the ending's very messy. Yes. But we'll, we'll, we get, like, a decent moment here where once Bellatrix is down, Voldemort, using the power of rage magic, knocks away his three people he's fighting. This is when Harry takes the cloak off. He's like, I was alive the whole time. Yes, and he does it just so impressive. I imagine it's very impressive. Well, he takes the cloak off. It's like a flourish. Yes. And we get a little bit of back and forth where he has to explain to Voldemort that he's a, a dumb, evil person yep. and he should really let love into his heart. Yes. And we get, you know, a few reveals. Like, he tells Voldemort, like, you, Snape was never loyal to you. Snape was never loyal to anyone. No, he doesn't say that. He's no, that, like... was, that was my, uh, that was me editorializing a little. Yes, and that would be a more accurate statement than, like, He was Dumbledore's weird... man. Yeah, the weird credit that Harry gives Snape for, that is undeserved and ridiculous. Yeah, it's so stupid, but and we find out, finally, that the true master of the Elder Wand. Yes. Because Dumbledore's plan was to have Snape kill him... But since it was done, like, willingly, it wouldn't count for trading the, like, Elder mastery Wand, yeah. of the Elderon, so the Elderon would stop being, being Elderon. Which I would have think would have happened by now. One would argue, yes. But that's, that's a tangent. So that didn't work, though, because Malfoy disarmed Dumbledore before 
that could happen, making Malfoy the master of the Elder Wand, until Harry disarmed him, making Harry the master of the Elder Wand. So Harry's like, does that wand know that I'm its master? Because if it does, it probably won't kill me. As you've seen before, maybe. Yes, which is... I also think that that relies on a lot of... Yeah, this would have been really awkward if Voldemort just killed Harry here. It also would have been really, really awkward if, like, at any of the intervals between June... Last June, when Dumbledore is killed... Yeah, like, someone had disarmed Malfoy. Yeah. Some random Death Eater is a... Some random Death Eater. He was at school the whole time and he was like playing for the Death Eaters. So like being like, like maybe one of the other kids. Maybe Neville disarmed Malfoy at some yeah. point. Like... You never know. I wouldn't have at all been surprised. That yeah, probably it's, is it's, a, like it's a, not very, unlikely. Yeah, there's, there's, there's some wiggle room there. But Harry has one final thing where he's like, I have the real secret for you, Voldemort. You need to reflect on what you did and feel bad about it. Yeah, she should feel remorse. Which and Dumbledore is like, I'm at Dumbledore. I mean, yeah, also Dumbledore. <laughs> Harry's very strongly speaking with Dumbledore's voice here. Where I'm like, why bother? It's like, it's like, oh, you have to give your opponent one last chance to see the... To, it's, to, it's, like, it's Voldemort, guys. He's not going to feel remorse. So as as they have their conversation, eventually they fight. Harry shoots an Expelliarmus. Voldemort shoots a, a Avada Kedavra. It's deflected and it hits him, and Harry gets the wand, and he has successfully killed Voldemort. Yeah, well, he got him. they they have a line where it's very like very direct that his curse rebounded on himself. Harry did no such thing. Never liked that sanctimonious garbage. I don't Harry like it either. Killed Voldemort. That's a good thing. But okay, I will say one thing I really, really like because they don't do it in they just, they do it differently in the movie. Um, but I like it here is that Voldemort is just a body. Yeah, and there is a body. He doesn't crumble into ash like Dracula in the sun. Yes, he. There is a body. It is there, and like they throw it in a closet. <laughs> At one I point, think they like was put it off to the side. Yeah, they mentioned a side room off the entrance hall, which I like to think is a closet. It's a broom closet. It has like, like literally like floor wax and stuff in there. They throw him in, and he knocks over a bucket of mop water. Filch, Filch is actually hiding in there, <laughs> and he's just like, oh. yeah, we don't see Filch. Yeah, since, you know, he, since he, we the saw him. Yeah, we saw him briefly. But everyone's so jubilant. They did it. Harry saved the day. He yes. beat Voldemort, and all is fixed. And there's a brief moment where I'm like, "See, that's the that's the Huna moment where it's Harry well, and I Luna. forgot we do get one last moment where everyone's really like Harry's having to like just be engaged with everyone, and he finds himself sitting next to Luna, and she's like, "If it were me." I would want some peace and quiet. And Harry's like, I do. And she's like, I'll create a distraction for you because I'm your soulmate. Yes, like she she <laughs> recognizes and empathizes. Like, she's I, able I to kind know of wish that feels. after the, for the epilogue, if he had just been married to Luna, like that they just never face. really address it. But 
she does create a distraction, and he he sneaks off to go find Ron and Hermione. Uh, we get some word uh, most Death Eaters are being, like, captured or they fled. The innocent are being released from Azkaban. Kingsley has been made temporary Minister of Magic. I think you should really extend that temporariness. But I think that he does. Like, I think that he stays so he it serves for a, for a while. Good. He's, he's, he's the right man for the job. Imperialist people are coming back to their senses, I guess. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, all is well. And Harry t- talks to Ron and Hermione to explain to them everything that happened. You know, hey, I met Ghost Dumbledore and I, I, uh, pr- I played dead for a while. I did a real good job at it. Yeah, I was very, very talented at it. He, they go to Dumbledore's office. Yes. To and, do all of this. And all the portraits are like, wahoo, yay, you did You're it. You're the best. Uh, we get the most confusing line in the chapter, maybe the book, maybe the series, where mm-hmm. Phineas Nigellus is like, let it not be forgotten that Slytherin played its part. Let our contributions not go forgotten. I'm like, well, Slughorn came back to fight. Apart from that, you guys helped the enemy. Yeah. Like, to a man. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, I forgot. In the Great Hall, all three Malfoys are there, and they're described as, like, looking unsure if it's okay for them to be there. Which, at this point, I'm like, don't worry, guys. The family blessing will keep you safe forever. Yeah. I, uh, but, like, me, personally, I'm like, throw them in jail. Forever. Again, they should all be in jail. Like, yeah, if you're releasing innocent people from Azkaban... Got a fresh new spot for you. There's plenty of room. Yep. It is ridiculous. It's so stupid. But Harry talks to Dumbledore and he explains that he left the Resurrection Stone in the woods. It's just on the ground somewhere. Probably never to be found again. Yes. He explains, I'll keep the cloak because it's my birthright until I pass it down. Yeah. And he's like, I don't really want this wand. Yes. It's bad news. It makes people murder and be mean. And Ron's like, you should keep it so you can be the best at those things. And Harry's like, no, I'm going to use it once. And he fixes his wand and he gets the the holly and phoenix feather wand back. And he's like... Which, that I also liked as like a book versus movie thing. Because in the movie, I think he just throws the other wand in a pit. <laughs> snaps it in half. Oh, yeah. Throws the pieces in a pit. Again, which is another <laughs> thing I'm like, it probably would have happened by now. Yeah, I would have just been like, I, I just want him to fix his wand because I do like that. I'm like, yeah, you just yeah, this is my it's, wand. I it's like It's a really it. nice moment. Well, if we're if we're giving a knock to the movie for that, which yeah, I thought that was weird that he just like throws it away and I guess gets a new wand. Yeah. Uh, I will give credit to the movie for having my favorite moment in the final movie, where Draco. Uh, swearing fealty to Voldemort gets the weirdest hug ever. I love that part so much. Do you think that had more people in the final, like, bit... We just get a montage of Voldemort hugging people? Yeah, do you think that would have happened? Oh, I wish. Because, like, we, we did mention a couple times just now, like... That he seems, like, a little addled, like, a little... Yeah, like, after, after everyone's done, they're like... It's really awkward. I, I think we I think we should rise up. I don't want Voldemort hugging us anymore. <laughs> but at this point, Harry, the portrait of Dumbledore is like, "You've done well, Harry. You followed all my schemes to the letter. Good, good job." And Harry, Harry's like, "You know what? I'm fucking tired. I want to go to sleep because I've had way too hard of a life, and I deserve better." 
And then... And that's the end of... I assume he does. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to go lay down. I want Creature to bring me a sandwich. And that's the end. Uh, We still have the epilogue to go, but that does end the main... I guess the main chapters. Yeah. Which, you know, we'll we'll be covering the epilogue. Uh, Next episode, we're actually going to combine our discussion of the epilogue with the wrap-up for the book. So we have that to do. I don't know. I feel like the end of the book does, like big things pretty well but it's like whenever you stop to examine them they sort of yes you're like wait a minute this is sloppy yes and again i feel like it didn't need to be i feel like if she had taken more time yeah maybe another pass or two at it yeah i feel like she just needed more time to get it right um i don't i feel like she did come out with seven pretty fast after six yeah, I don't think there was as long of a wait. And granted, it is on the shorter side, but at the same time, like, just take a little longer with it. We Again, we didn't need the... the we didn't need any of that Snape nonsense. Yeah, to get that chapter out of there, spend a little more time with some of the characters. Like, you know, you put all this time into creating this world and these characters, and we really... They just fade into the background. Well, I mean, we we can uh, kind of provide our doctoring of how we would fix it next episode. Yeah, so we will be doing the wrap-up then. Hope everyone listening enjoyed, and you will join us next time. Bye! Bye.